So, I'd like to start this evening uh, pretty much where Donald began in the sense that um, he asked uh, that at the beginning of his talk uh, that we don't uh, look at this as some kind of <clears throat> uh, disembodied uh, practice of listening, but actually an embodied practice of listening. For me, I think, oh, 20 years ago or so, I thought, well, maybe I could construct a talk. And uh, I realized it was impossible. It was not about constructing a talk, which uh, actually I have to bow to my two colleagues here are so uh, beautifully um, welcomed in their construction of bringing these teachings uh, in a clear and uh, palatable way. There's also a practice, uh, a practice of being. And it's not construction, it's being something. And that being something uh, takes a lot of listening. A listening on my side, a listening on your side. I have to connect, you have to connect. We work together with this. So it's not something that has to go somewhere. But it's actually something that is being practiced, some way of arriving. So, in my usual fashion, one of the ways I can formulate this beingness is uh, I write uh, a facsimile of a poem. And uh, I would like to read it to you. And it will be the kind of the outline or the construction of uh, where I'd like to go. Before I read it, I uh, first of all just want to give an explanation of... Uh, there's a word um, in Sanskrit, and the word is called yatra. And yatra translates as pilgrimage. And pilgrimage is something for... Um, all my life, uh, I've seen uh, this urge for yatra, for pilgrimage. And so what began this process this afternoon is I thought, well, what am I going to do? You know, everything has been said so beautifully uh, by my two colleagues. Where do I want to go with this? And I thought back to a time when uh, I was probably eight or nine years old. And uh, it's been raining. It's been raining a lot. You know, they say there's, what, 20 feet of snow in the high Sierras. So I thought, well, I have to, it's water. It has to be something about water. And then I went back through my own experience of water. And uh, I remembered I was eight or nine, and 
uh, my parents took me uh, to Lourdes in France. And I remember going and drinking this water and kind of wondering what it was all about and seeing this was uh, 10 years after the war. And there were, um, I just remember a lot of the kind of these older women in black with their beads and, and uh, this tremendous amount of uh, heartfulness in their approach to this water. And, um, and then there is this cave. You go into this cave and there's water kind of running in the cave. And there are literally, if my memory serves me right, there was uh, hundreds uh, of uh, crutches hanging from this cave of people who had come and uh, touched and been moved and somehow uh, had left those there and something changed for them. And I remember sitting in the corner, I just cried. And I knew this was my first movement. You know, a lot of people, the two or three, I hear their stories of kind of spiritual um, experience. And for me, this is what I remember. And I was eight or nine. Not so young, but also young. And I've followed that all my life in a sense of that pilgrimage that somehow there are these places where we go. And we go there sometimes with difficulty. Uh, Sometimes there have to be difficulty. There has to be that darkness. There has to be the, uh, the recognition of Uh, those things that kind of disturb the mind and sometimes hinder the body and close off the heart. But we go. Uh, We know that. And I see this place, this place you sit here now, this is actually, this is a yatra. This is a place that has been imbued and empowered by thousands of people. You know. So, it's called water. Rainy season. We came to the waters for some reason, possibly some childhood connection, some ancient pathway, to be touched, to be moved, yet possibly forever, allowing some mysterious place, this unknown, water pouring into water, water pouring into water, where the crutches of centuries are laid to rest. 
could it be hunger for ordinary bread? Something so plain and simple, yet the complexity of the thinking, addicted to the old ways of darkness and this never-enoughness. Simply sitting, seen from some new place, hands placed so neatly in one's lap, enraptured, wholly amazed, intimately washed by the waters of the heavens, knowing no one could be prepared for this retold story. And somewhere above the clouds of our thinking, we can remain open like the sky, the steadiness, the brightness, the lucid. I know this is in you, as I know it is in me. We came to let go of this darkness that gnarly, scaly, snakeskin of the past. Hopefully, renewed by the waters, softening of the old leather, leathery hardness, giving back this miraculous, pliable, flexible, adaptable, shining heart. So um, this last year, a year and a half, I haven't spoken about this very much publicly. I got cancer, and um, I had a difficult process with it. Uh, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's a little more difficult, and I experienced a lot of physical pain in the process of this. And it gave me this possibility, this possibility that when I said, we don't know the unknown, that somehow we have to give up this knowing, this way of constructing a world that is so physically real to us. And that somehow... My question to you is when you sit here and you get quiet and you have these thoughts about the past and the future and all the different things, is it enough? Is there something bigger, something more going on here? No. Oh, the practice in so many ways is so simple. It says, 
just sit here. Shut up. You know? Feel. Feel what it's like. Not to have really anywhere to go. You don't have anything to do here, by the way. You just sit and walk and you know, experience some lovely food. But that's all you're doing here. So we come and first we notice how tangled we are. How many stories have you told here? You know, things done and undone. It's okay. There's no really wrong practice here. This practice is just to sit in the center of who you are. You're always thinking you know. But we're here to ask you to question that. Is that true? Or is this fabrication, this making up, you know, does it make you bigger or smaller? Does it make you bigger or smaller? You have to learn to begin to discern the difference. And first you have to see what makes you small. That's the darkness. That's the difficulty. Last night in the ritual, I said, this is, looks so peaceful, but this is just simply a garbage dump. You know, where we're dumping our collective confusion our old stories, our unfinished business. The places that made us so small. And I'm not saying you're going to solve them here. I'm not saying that's going to happen here. But you get to see it. You get to see how it works how you make it up. And in many ways, our job here is really, it's a deconstruction process. We're kind of taking who we are. And we have this big, you know, technicolor screen called my life. And you believe it. And we can't really do anything about that. It's just that you yourself have the capacity in this deconstruction to begin to see that 
on the corners of this screen, it actually is just a screen and the story is something that's being played out called my life. And ultimately, that process is to begin to see that not only is it something on a screen, that you have the power to sit in the seat and know it. To know that it's just a screen and it's just a movie and it's just called my life. And at first we have to battle. You know, somehow Yet that there's really no winning and losing in this. You know, the winning and losing you know, from one view of the screen itself, uh, it's limited. It's limited because you only have so many breaths and you have no idea how many breaths you have. That is not known to any of us. That is part of this mystery. And if we can begin to see that, oh, there's this screen and I have no idea. This thing called time. that I can begin to loosen my grip just a little bit on the stories I'm telling, on the plays I'm playing. When we begin to deconstruct it and see that somehow that difficulty, that darkness, those things that make us smaller. How real, how real are they? I can't answer that for you because this is process of inquiry, you know, of getting so quiet and leaving the screen to be the screen. The thoughts, you're not going to stop your thoughts, okay? The thoughts think themselves. But the awareness, the knowing of them, it's a thing we cultivate. We start with such a simple thing. You know, under the surface of all the running around we do, the Buddha was very simple.
underneath, everything going on, there's one process that's not religion, that's not just some people have it, it's something we all have, connects you to me, me to you. I breathe, you breathe. The breathing allows us just a fraction of a moment to break into the, sometimes the incessant continuousness or continuity of this identification, my movie. And just the movie and go from my movie to movie, the movie. And just in those moments, then there's some intelligence, some intelligence that is inherent in you and in me. And sometimes we have to sit and we have to wait a long time because the stories themselves and the, sometimes the heartaches and the longings and the restlessness or, you know, the, uh, as Heather used the word sloth and torpor, sometimes it's just the fog is so great. We can't see. But if we wait, we sit, we forget, we touch again here, this place, this place that we seem so separate in our little zabutan or chair. Is it true? In this deconstruction process, you know, when we, we actually come to just things being simple, what did I say? Could be hunger for ordinary bread, something so plain and so simple, yet the complexity of the thinking addicted to old ways of darkness and never enoughness, surrendering. It's a grand thing, this 
sitting here and not leaving here, but trying to spend as much time being held They talk about this as intuitive insight, that there's some deeper knowing that begins to rise out of our both our darkness and our simpleness. And that intelligence First of all, is ultimately a mind. And I want to distinguish mind and brain. Uh, the brain has limits to this body and this phenomenal function of know the complexity and the miracle of body. It's an amazing uh, self-regulating, sometimes self-healing. Temporary process. But the mind itself, what is the mind? What is this awareness? Does it have limit? Is it somehow stuck here? I like to look at this as the mind itself has this quality of vividness. Its intelligence is vast and wide, is not located. We sometimes believe it, that somehow it has a location, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's bigger than that. It's been the thing that's been the mystery for centuries that all saints and sages and fools have discovered there's no limit. And there's spaciousness, this quality of vast space. And that spaciousness holds all things. And if something holds all things, it understands 
all things in that spaciousness. And if it understands all things in that spaciousness, it understands time, it understands a process that we're in and that you're in and that we're all in. There's a very sobering quote from the Buddha I use when I talk about this. There is one thing, O monks, that not seeing of which keeps us unfree, keeps us bound on this cyclic wheel of becoming, that one, that one thing is the truth of suffering. Oh my. You're born, you're here for a while. You fall apart. You get old, you get sick, you die. That's the process. To understand, to get a spaciousness, to have the openness to feel that and know that in all things. The insubstantiality, the impermanence of all things then we can understand that in that spaciousness there is this empathy, this simple connection that says, I am you, you are me. We are are all going through this same process. So there's the mind, this vast open mind that really, in some ways, when you deconstruct everything, you don't go anywhere. It doesn't, there isn't anything substantial here. It's all impermanent phenomena that passes away. It's actually empty. And to understand the space is to understand the heart. To understand the heart is to get that we're in a body. And so the third piece that I bring to this, the word, and the word is simple, it's ease. And ease is something that is of the body. We know the suffering, we know the empathy and the connection and the mind and the empty phenomena of the impermanent reality that we live in. So there is this possibility when we're not constructing more things and we're connected that there is this ease. And this ease is actually something felt. You know, awakening is not something imagined. It's actually something felt. It's something that's embodied in a way that 
it says, this is enough. What this is, is enough. And we are enough. We don't have to construct something more. Knowing no one could be prepared for this retold story. And I kept going, why retold story? Why is it retold? And I realized that somehow uh, this goes back to this person of 2,500 years ago. who said, there is a path. And that path, if walked, will lead to this vividness, this openness of heart, and this ease of being. You can do this. It's easy to get caught in the movie and forget. And you have to keep coming back and you have to keep doing this over and over in some way. And I'm not saying it just has to be retreats or anything else. It's something about this remembering that this fundamental is about letting go. Uh, Whether it's Heather's notes, so meticulously worked on, or people in your life, There's so much to let go of. And you know, the more you learn this, your capacity for more only gets bigger. So things don't actually go away when you learn this. That's not what it's about. It's 
It's just there's more space. The heart can hold more. The ease is remembered. And that discernment, that capacity to allow this awareness to not make you small, but just hold. Without holding the bigness that's possible here. So I think that's good. Water. Rainy season. We came to the water for some reason possibly some childhood connection, some ancient pathway to be touched, to be moved, yes, possibly forever, allowing some mysterious place, this unknown. Water pouring into water. Water pouring into water, where the crutches of centuries are laid to rest. Could it be hunger for ordinary bread? Something so plain and simple, yet the complexity of our thinking addicted to the old ways of darkness and never enoughness. simply sitting, seen from some new place, hands placed so neatly in one's lap, enraptured, wholly amazed, intimately washed by the waters of the heavens. Knowing no one could be prepared for this retold story. And somewhere above the clouds of our thinking, we can remain open like the vast sky, the steadiness, the brightness, lucid. I know this is in you, as I know it's in me. We came to let go of this darkness, this gnarly, scaly snakeskin of the past, hopefully renewed by the waters, 
softening the old leathery hardness, giving us back this miraculous, pliable, flexible, adaptable, shining heart. Let's just sit for a moment. This awareness as big as this room and bigger still. Your heart not confined to some small little area, but as big and as wide. As the world. And this friend, this ease, this fearlessness, not knowing, can't know, <clears throat> 